If you don't have the time, I highly recommend finding someone that does that you can put in your corner that can help you with it because the quicker you get it done, the quicker you're going to be able to run. Hey, it's Matt, and this is Pass the Secret Sauce. All right, all right. So today's guest on Pass the Secret Sauce is Matt Tincher, who has created a couple of different companies, and the newest company is USL Cars. So he actually has created a very, very focused business shipping cars for all types of organizations and private individuals as well. So we get into some of his past, some of his his experience with entrepreneurialism as growing up in his household. And then we get into some of the businesses that he started after college and finally led him to USL Cars shipping. So again, this is a great example of how you can find success when you niche down very, very specifically. So Matt tells us his story about how he ultimately ended up creating USL Cars shipping. It was my mom and dad, me and my sister, almost every single night having dinner, talking about what happened that day. You know, they were always very in tune with what we were doing. And we, just, we grew up in a very nuclear family in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So very traditional values, dinner, dinner every single night, Monday through Sunday at the dinner table. Everyone was there, no excuses. So that's, that's how it was, you know, just growing up in Indiana, traditional values and just talking Excellent. and yeah. And and so now now you've uh, obviously you're you're an entrepreneur now. Did you have any early jobs, or were you the kid that was you know selling candy at at school or anything like that? Did you have any things like that that you were doing when you were younger? So me and my sister started off. So actually, really, it's my parents that when we were growing up, they had several small businesses in our small town. Mm. We grew up in Metamora, Indiana. They had like eight or nine different shops and bed and breakfast and things like that so it was all hands on deck every weekend you know we were working in the stores always helping out our folks or whatever they were holding down 40 hour a week jobs as well so again no excuses like we had to help and so from an early age i knew i wanted to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. watching them grow and succeed and you know early on my sister and i I think it was like six or maybe seven or eight years old we started a lemonade stand Mm -hmm. and it just kind of grew from there i was that kid selling candy on the bus at school, because my parents had those stores, we were always going to Sam's Club, mm-hmm. and I go buy candy in bulk and resell it, you know, at a premium because no one else could be able to get candy on the on the bus or at school. Yeah, that turned into selling yo-yos, selling video games, things like that. So, and it just it's constantly progressed and and grown from there. Mm-hmm. What what was a hot seller back then for you? Probably jawbreakers, uh, top, whatever those fire bombs were. I think those were the biggest yeah, suckers, fire. things yep. like that. Yeah, yeah, something that would last a minute. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's get awesome. more bang for their buck. <laughs> yep, yep. That's great. That's great. So, so what types of stores? Like, what where were all the stores that that your parents owned? Like, what types of businesses were they involved in? So we started in 1991. We had a gift store. Actually, it started off as an antique store with my mom and my grandpa. And then that grew into my mom had baked goods and gift store, gift shop type things like cappuccino. She found cappuccino right when it first kind of took off and kind of grew. Actually, I was just telling somebody the story the other day, like my parents had Beanie Babies in their store. So that was, you remember those back in the oh, 90s, yeah. like yeah. those were a huge hit. Yeah. 
And I remember going to the flea market with my dad every single Saturday and hustling Beanie Babies. <laughs> and so we also had a framed picture store and sign store. We had a, an Afghan store, a cafe, a bakery, a bed and breakfast, wow. uh, get away, like a weekend cottage and trying to think if there's anything else. And that was all just kind of, you know, that was between my mom, dad and, and, you know, my family, everyone was kind of involved and, and had some kind of hand in one of those stores in some way or another. That's cool. That's cool. Which, yeah. which store was your favorite? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never you wanted know, to go as, and work as an eight, nine year old, yeah. I don't want to be working on the weekends. I want to yeah. be hanging out with my friends and, and doing that kind <laughs> of stuff. But um, honestly, probably the first one we started because it was, it was like literally right next to us. Like there was a sidewalk that went right from our front door to that front door. And that's probably the place I spent the most in was the gift shop. And you know, I ran that on the weekends when my parents, you know, wanted to get away for a few hours or, you know, whenever they went on buying trips and things like that, like I'd run a store, my sister would run a store and you know, we just kind of figured it out from there. No, that's, that's great. That's great. So were you involved in any of the decisions, you know, what was going to be sold or what, what, even what industries you were going to get into, or is it kind of just all on your parents that, you know, Abs yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. All the decision-making went to them. So that was the biggest thing. My mom was a fantastic buyer and she knew what was going to be hot and what was up and coming. And she got all these trade shows and she'd come back with the hottest sellers for the season. So, you know, I had, I had no place in that conversation whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Understandably. So now that I own my own company, I don't think <laughs> my, my nine-year-old make decisions for me right now either. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so did you, you, you went, you graduated high school. Did you do any college or anything like that? Or did you jump right into your own business? Yeah, I graduated high school in 04. I went to Miami of Ohio. Okay. And went there for four years, graduated in 08. Like I said, right, right when that, right when the great recession hit, mm -hmm. you know, I, jobs were, jobs were pretty scarce. I didn't find anything that, you know, I felt like I should be, especially having a four-year college degree from a prestigious university. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had to check my ego mm -hmm. and, and pretty much take a job. I started working at Staples and just, that's where I got my selling down. And I started, you know, interacting with customers and, and selling electronics and things like that to them. And then that grew. I ended up getting into the logistics and transportation industry about two years after that. Mm -hmm. And that obviously kind of gave you a foundation for what you eventually went into. Can you talk about some of the, the takeaways that you realized uh, from some of the experience that you gained at the, uh, the freight companies? Absolutely. So I worked for an asset-based trucking company. And what does that mean was, exactly? So, so we owned our own trucks, we had our own drivers, we had a fleet of about 350 at one point at our height. And I was doing customer service and dispatching and sales with them, you know, just trying to make sure our trucks stay covered and they're always loaded so we can be as profitable as possible. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much from that job in the two, two and a half years I was there, just about how to be profitable within the trucking industry and, and how to really, you know, take care of drivers and, and just kind of grow from there. But also, you know, I, I learned a lot what not to do and how to treat employees. You know, my former, my former employer was just overly aggressive when it came to like treating employees disrespectfully. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think the biggest thing I've learned along the years is mostly what not to do. Yep. And that, that can be an invaluable lesson all in its own right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, it's talent and skill being able to recognize those types of learning opportunities, you know, absolutely what, what, what not to do. So right. I, I've certainly been through many myself. So, um, <laughs> and I'm a loyal person too. So I like, I stick things out, you know, through and through. So, you know, I stayed on longer than I probably should have there. 
yeah. ended up getting another job working my way up to operations manager watched that employer you know get in too deep with the wrong customer mm -hmm. ended up sticking us with a couple million dollars in receivables wow and staying on that ship right before it tanked as well so again just learning what not to do along the way has been the biggest thing that's helped me succeed now as we continue to grow yeah, even yeah. during this recession and downturn from covid and everything absolutely and yes, then sir. you you created uh, a produce exchange as well how, how did that what was that so switching over from the trucking company to the, the logistics company you know we were non-asset based so we're brokers we were middlemen connecting trucks and shippers all over the country. And at that new company, I had started doing produce transportation. So shipping truckloads of berries all over the country, watermelon, peaches, whatever. And so I had a really good produce background in the transportation side. So it was pretty easy to shift over to the produce buying and selling world. Mm -hmm. And what we had originally done and what we had set out to do, just like every entrepreneur, you know, you have your plan A, Mm -hmm. And we set out and said, hey, you know, we're going to create this online marketplace to be able to connect growers and buyers, which is one of the toughest things for growers to do. You know, they're focused on taking care of their crops and yeah. taking care of their business and their family and making sure food's on their table. But if you look at the microeconomics of shipping an, a, an order from a grower to a receiver like Walmart or Kroger or whatever, there may be five or six different hands in the pot. Mm -hmm. everyone's getting their cut along the way. And the one that gets hit the most is the farmer at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So we tried creating a platform for them to be able to post up their loads and be able to connect directly with buyers and sellers. However, they were very reluctant to even start or trust, you know, just the trust in that industry is, is very little. Mm -hmm. So we didn't gain very much traction. And after about eight or nine months, we had to completely pivot. So we started, you know, we got away from that platform and we just started buying and selling truckloads of produce under that same name, Produce Exchange. Got it. Why do you think there's so little trust? I mean, you would, you would think that if someone's coming essentially with, you know, people wanting to buy the product, you would think that right. that would be a good thing for them. Why, why do you think that there's so little trust in that? Well, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that get paid the, the least, mm -hmm. you know, because they're at the bottom of the chain. And then anytime there's an issue, they're the ones that pretty much have to end up eating the cost. So, you know, you got third, you know, second and third generation farmers and coming from Indiana too, like I understood that, like I grew up in farm country. Mm -hmm. And so understanding, you know, how they, how they work and operate definitely helped in that situation. But, you know, at the same time, when you're a startup company, you've only got so much runway, you've got to make decisions to, to, to bust as, you know, work as quickly as possible to get to your goal. And if it's not there, you got to pivot. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. So I, I think a lot of it just came down to money and just, you know, second and third generation farmers, not, you know, not having that trust along the way. And, you know, a couple of guys with a technology platform saying, Hey, we're going to be able to do all this and this, which we very well could have, mm -hmm. but just having the opportunity just wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you guys create the the platform yourself or did you have it made or? We, well, we, we did, well, we, we conceptualized it. Uh -huh. And then we hired a web developer to go in and, and build it all out. That way we could be able to post and, and, you know, just work through all the options. You know, there's a couple hundred different produce options out there. Like if you look at all that, we had to have backend developers be able to come up with that entire list and yeah. be able to put it into a pretty nice looking platform. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's excellent. Excellent. So yeah. that kind of leads us up to where you are today with, uh, with USL car shipping. 
Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you saw in the market, why you chose to get into shipping cars specifically? Sure. So my business partner and I met back at our old company and always stayed in touch. We were good friends. He had left a couple of years before. I think he left around like 14 or 15 and ended up going to another brokerage company where he had learned to ship cars there. So we decided to go with the produce exchange thing. It didn't work out. And we had all this logistics experience. Plus we were buying and selling produce and we were hiring the trucks transport it all. And, you know, he was making decent money. You know, it was, it was a nice little monthly bonus shipping the cars. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hey, I want a nice little monthly bonus too. So let's ship cars. And then we realized how good we were at it because of our logistics experience. He and I have a combined 21 years experience now in that, in that industry. So that's something that the market has missed is people that are, you know, especially the car shipping side. So we're, as, as far as the produce side, we're used to getting calls at midnight, 3 a.m., dealing with California shippers, you know, because when they're three hours behind, you better be up and answering your phones. Yeah, yeah. So we had that intensity and that fire and that passion for logistics, and we've really been able to take, take our corner of the market and narrow our niche down even more because of that high level of service that we bring to the table. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. You know, we're available seven days a week. We're available after hours. Pretty much if you try to get a hold of any other auto transporter in the country, they're going to leave at 5 p.m. They're not going to answer their phones on Saturdays and Sundays. And we just, we realized how much these people need help moving their cars. And you know how everything's available 24-7 now. Like yeah. if you don't answer your phone on the weekends, you're not going to get the business. So yeah, yeah. yeah so we made a habit of that and, and over-servicing and over-delivering for our customers day in and day out. That's fantastic. So what types of people do you, who's your main client basically, would you say? So our, our, our ideal client are moving companies and okay. agents. So what we do is we help them ship, you know, cause they're, they'll have 50 or 60 moves a year mm -hmm. and about half of those will have vehicles to ship. So I'd rather connect with these moving agents and going after that business to get, you know, 20, 30 referrals a year from each individual person than trying to find, you know, Joe Schmo off the street that's trying to move a car. You know, yeah. you know we, we service everybody, but at the end of the day, our ideal client are moving companies and agents across the country. And we are nationwide. We do operate in all 50 states, including Hawaii and Alaska. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've made some really, really good connections along the way to be able to help out anyone that we can. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about when you first started the, the company? Obviously, this was a new sort of niche. You, you had the background, you had the logistics background, but mm -hmm. you, you sort of niched yourself into this, this industry. Can you talk about reaching out to some of the first clients? Like, you know, nobody knows who you are in this industry. Right. Uh, what, what, were, what were some of the challenges that you had with, you know, gaining that, that traction, gaining that, that foothold in, in the industry? 
I think it all goes down to trust as well. You have to build up that rapport and that relationship with people. So when we first started off, I mean, we were cold calling for three months straight. And I mean, we were doing 75 to 100 calls a day trying to gain traction. I mean, that's that's ultimately what it took for us was just to show them, hey, we're here and we're available. Try us out. You know, our, our foot in the door is always, hey, give us some quotes. We'll show you how quickly we respond, how competitive our rates are. And then that just flourishes into a relationship because they actually see that we back what we say we're going to do. So the biggest hurdle in that regard was just getting the right clients on the phone, finding our ideal clients that are going to give us recurring revenue and recurring orders and just building those relationships. And we've got amazing relationships with all of our, all of our clients. And, you know, we call, we joke, you know, we send texts during the holidays and it's been really awesome to be able to grow those relationships and, and, you know, all started off, you know, just us hammering the phones and, and showing them that we're here and available and, and it's just continued to grow and, and all, you know, we tremendously grown off of referrals just over the past year. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Did you, when you, when you first started, did you buy a list or something like that? Is that how you got the, the contact information or are you guys going and searching, you know, these, these are the potential companies that we can go and reach and basically creating your own lists of. So we created our own list. We're old school. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're Google Hoover's, you know, we're, we're, trying to find email addresses. Like that's one thing I love about my business partner. You know, we, we joke about, we call it ninja brokering. Yeah. It's, you know, it's finding the creative ways to get in front of people. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, not everyone's, not everyone's going to be at their office desk, you know, especially a lot of these guys that are, that are doing move estimates, they're in homes and things like that. So it was a lot of grunt work and there was no list to buy because we didn't know who to, now we know where to get the list. Yeah. It's easier that way to gain new prospects, but at the time, we didn't know that. So it was just 100% grunt work, Googling and, and searching and just, hey, do you have anybody else that could use our service? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Started with one, grew into 75 different clients across the country now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What's next with your, your company? Do you have any plans that uh, you guys are looking to, to try to achieve in the next you know, year, you know, relatively near, near term? So, so we want to grow out our team, sales team. Mm-hmm. And we, we started hiring one person this year. We want to continue to grow that because I feel like we have a process down now mm-hmm. and that we can kind of rubber stamp that and teach people how to do this. So we want to build out our team. One thing that we've learned from COVID so far is that a lot of people are going to be working remotely and a lot of people are going to be going to remote in-home estimates for their moving clients. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to bridge that gap. So we have some ideas we're working on right now to help fill that idea to be able to be leaner and more technology savvy which is something that's also miss you know a lot a lot of that is missing in the logistics world too the logistics world is, is pretty antiquated so we're trying to to bridge that gap to make us a little more streamlined and a lot more tech savvy to be a lot more you know just a lot a lot of more of a better partner and a lot better asset for our clients yeah makes sense makes sense yes. do you have any tips for like you mentioned just setting up your process that, that you you use now. Do you have any tips for anyone that's just starting out that how important process is, you know, what what life looked like before you had the processes and then what it looks like now, now that you have some some things established? Sure. So we were like wild, wild west gunslingers. Mm-hmm. We had no process. We just kind of figured and we're very like figure out as we go people. Mm-hmm. So we always were able to figure it out and still make the most of it every single time. But I would say the biggest thing that's helped us grow, so we were doing about a quarter million dollars in sales at the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. About a year ago, April of 2019, I hired a mentor. Mm-hmm. And 
and he introduced me to a sales coach. And the sales coach helped us smooth out our processes, helped us refine our pitch, helped us go out there and be able to sell better. Mm-hmm. And we hit a million dollars in revenue last year. So we grew four times just yeah. from, you know, from 2018 to 2019. And, and this year we're probably going to do about a million and a half to $2 million in sales this year, even with everything that's going on. Uh, congratulations. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. It's, so processes are immensely important. And if you don't have them and you don't have the time because we're all entrepreneurs and we could use another 24 hours in a day for sure. If you don't have the time, I highly recommend finding someone that does that you can put in your corner that can help you with it because the quicker you get it done, the quicker you're going to be able to run. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the, that was the one thing we were missing. Got it. And did you, how did you find your mentor? Was this someone who you read a book of, or is this someone that was suggested to you? Someone on Instagram and I guess his, his algorithm was probably pretty good because it found me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I, it's one of those things too. It wasn't just some guy on Instagram doing like, Hey, I can make you a million dollars in 22 hours. You know, you know how it is. Yep. There's a lot of fake people out there. Well, I, I followed him for about two months and I would gen- genuinely ask him questions and he would respond either through his, you know, Periscope or through his IG live videos or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty legit. Mm-hmm. So we started talking a little bit and realized he had an entire like tribe, an entire group of people like-minded entrepreneurs. So I joined and that was the best decision I've made for our company so far. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I mean, it's it's amazing when you get other people, you know, who have been there and done that first, you know, to, mm-hmm. to just, you know, hold your hand through some of the things. A lot of, I think a lot of entrepreneurs sort of shy away from that and they feel like I can do all this on my own. And absolutely, right. you can do it on your own, but you're sure. going to stumble a lot more and, you know, absolutely. Just, you know, getting out there and, uh, and be willing to take advice from, from other people. It's some of the best things that I've ever done for myself as right. well. So yeah, right. no, that's keeping great. that ego in check has been huge. Exactly. Exactly. You know, cause we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Yep. And it's okay. That's one thing I tell people when we hire them and bring them on, you know, we have an appointment setter, we've got an assistant, we've got a salesperson. We tell them, Hey, it's okay to say, I don't know. Or if you don't want to say, I don't know, say, Hey, let me get back to you on that. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. There's power in that to be able to go because you're showing the people, hey, I want to figure this out for you. I want to find the right answer for you. And I'm going to go figure it out. Yeah. And as long as you figure it out and come back timely, then, you know, they don't even remember that you didn't know. They're like, yeah. okay, oh, cool, cool. This is someone I want to do business with. It's going to have my best interest in mind to get me the right answer, not just the answer that they think I need. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. If anybody wanted to reach out to you or learn more about your services or anything, what would you say is the best way to get in touch there. So email, I mean, we respond to all of our emails within five to 10 minutes. That's, that's a selling point that we have. So if there's anybody that wants to get a hold of us, they can reach us email. If you Wait, need what is your, what is your email address? Just, uh, yeah, it's Matt, M A T T at U S L freight.com. Excellent. Very cool. And if anybody wants to get a quote, they can go to our website, uslcars.com. There's a quote form right there on the board. And one thing we tell people is we don't give you an instant quote because, you know, we're going to give you more than a paper quote. We're going to give you the right price every time to make sure your vehicle gets picked up and delivered timely anywhere in the country. Fantastic. This is fun. Thanks, Matt. It has been great, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's been a lot of of good nuggets here. So I appreciate the time and we will follow up with you again in the future and see how things are, are progressing. Very good. Awesome. Thanks for listening. And remember... Pass the secret sauce.